Hi everyone, welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on the podcast today is Volker Schmidt, CEO of Acrolinks. My first statement when I came to realize that this world is being turned upside down 18 months ago, my statement to the company was, this is a global crisis and there will be winners and losers in that global crisis. And I believe we have a fair chance to come out of this crisis being a stronger company without knowing what that means. But the first address to the organization was the reminder of, okay, it is a crisis. Every crisis is a mix between challenges and opportunities. Exactly. Let's be very, very cautious and careful about the challenges, but let's focus on the opportunity. This is Volker. He's got 25 years of management experience in the software, internet, technology, and media industry around the globe. Throughout his career, he served as a CEO for Search Metrics and EVP of Digital and Technologies at Holtzbring Publishing Group. He was the CEO of Hewlett Packard Germany, the Vice President of Bitcom, and the President in MEA and Asia Pacific at Novell, just to name a couple of companies. Today, he's the CEO of Acrolinks, a company that's built around the vision to create a world connected by amazing content. Its mission is to supercharge the billions of enterprise content touchpoints that power the global customer experience. And that inspired me, and hence I invited Volker to my podcast. We explore what's broken when it comes to managing content in the enterprise world. We drill into the negative effects and the cost of content that frustrates people, and how this multiplies as the scale, consumption, and complexity grows. Volker then talks about how he is steering his organization to be a fully aligned organization, and how having a strong and clear vision and mission that are focused on the transformational change are critical to achieving this. Last but not least, he shares his lesson learned in leading his company through the crisis and what was required to become a stronger company altogether. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, how to embrace uncertainty and fear when adversity hits and the power of trust in each other to overcome the biggest challenges. Secondly, why every company should educate and develop every employee to be able to tell a 30-second story about a company. Thirdly, why capturing the transformational stories from customers are critical to create an aligned and proud organization. And fourthly, why leaders should encourage every employee to go out of their comfort zone and do things that they've never done before. So hi Volker, thank you for hi, making the time available today, Yeah, being a guest on my podcast. Yeah, I'm very happy to, at least if you look at my last name, my last name is I think of Dutch origin. That makes it easy. But I don't speak Dutch language, so don't even try it. <laughs> no, exactly. I was looking at it and it was, okay, so normally this would be Schmidt yes. in German, but Schmidt is definitely Dutch. 
Yes. So you see how how close these borders are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got introduced to your company and started looking into what Acrolins is doing. That triggered a couple of things inside me. And one of the things that I really always like is the augmentation type stories about how technology can augment people, in this case, content writers, to deliver a far better job than they could do before. So I'm eager to understand the whole story around it, the big idea and where you're taking this. But before we start talking about the company, if you would have to describe yourself as a CEO or as an entrepreneur, what words would you use? Two or three words. For myself, you mean? Yeah, describes me. I always try to go in and try to create what I would call an integrated and aligned company. That's number one. Because if you look at my CV, I have worked for large-scale operations, and that's normally the opposite of an integrated and aligned company. Exactly. And I think if you want to really create value for clients, what you really need to create is an aligned organization and not silos. You need to have silos as functions, but if you're not able to integrate those silos into one force, you would normally fail. So this is my first thing. And then secondly, very simply said, our company, as much as every other company, is built out of people. I mean, it's pretty much I'm in the people business. I yeah, need exactly. to attract the best talent and I need to be able to develop the best talent and I need to be able to retain the best talent. Otherwise, again, I would fail in, in the ability to create value for clients. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I really like that. A couple of words that stick out here is the continuous focus on the customer that actually is paying the bill and the value they need to understand and see and feel how you bring that together. Yeah, I mean, these are really important themes and topics. So looking on, on LinkedIn and understanding a little bit about the, the history of the company, it's been around for 19 years. Mm -hmm. You stepped in early 2020, mm -hmm. if I'm correct. But just to... Well, for your story around what was the what is the big problem that Acrolinks is solving? Maybe even what what founded the company? That's always an interesting story yeah. in itself as well. Yeah, I mean, if you look at at the year when the company got founded, it's interesting because it is a spin-off of a German academic organization. So back in two thousand two, where artificial intelligence or natural language processing was something that was probably well known to scientists, but not to the broader audience. True. The company was created with the intent to use NLP slash AI to help improve content. Yeah. That was very early stage. The good thing back then was it was an academic institution and a very significant enterprise that co-founded the idea to create NLP functionality around the creation process of content. The significant enterprise that had founding it was SAP back then. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it takes a number of years before you get NLP AI out of a scientific organization into a marketplace, help grow clients with that. So I think going into the year 2010 and, and further, actually the market opened up because NLP became a thing and then all of a sudden AI was all over the place. True. And every enterprise that I know has some degree of AI roadmap, whether it's true and valid or not. True. So I think this has gotten the company to the point where we really started to create significant value. Then in the question, what we do, let's 
talk about what the challenge of a large corporation today is if they look at content. I use one example because I think that crystallizes what we do. I use an example of one of our clients without disclosing the name, but this client has a subdomain, not even the main domain, only the subdomain that contains about 7 million pieces of content. 7 million. So that's one dimension, scale of content. The second dimension is consumption of content. This subdomain has about 1.2 billion visitors every year. And every visitor spends about four minutes and 32 seconds on the subdomain consuming content. If you do the math, that would give you about 5.4 billion minutes of content consumption every year. And now there's two things to it. There's number one, there's people who would say, oh, wow, we have that amount of traffic and that amount of content consumption. That's all great. Whereas Aquilin would say, well, who's checking whether the content consumption was a positive customer experience, a neutral or a negative one? And let's just assume that more than 50% of the consumption ended up with a client being frustrated. What's the cost? The cost of that is 2.7 billion of frustration, 2.7 billion minutes of frustration. That's a lot of frustration. And I'm not saying that the content is in that stage, but I think the challenge for an enterprise is not only to have content and to create content and to publish content, you need to make sure that the content matches the expectation of the customer journey outside the company. And there's a number of dimensions that we have to improve. Clarity of the content, the tone of the content. More recently, things have been added like, is the content inclusive or not? Yeah. The compliance side of the enterprise would say, does the content contain any degree of risk? Yes or yeah. no. The marketing side of the house would say, is the content using most recent terminology of our house and the brand tone of voice? Yes or no. Yeah. So the, the amount of checkpoints and NLP checkpoints that you need to apply to existing content is massive. And the first thing that is obvious is if you have 7 million pieces of content, there's just no manual way to get your hands around the problem. You need a platform that constantly assesses, audits, Yeah. and highlights content that needs improvement because otherwise you have massive amount of content and massive amount of content consumption that doesn't meet expectation. That's why we exist. And that's why we exist in particular in situations where enterprises have a lot of content and a lot of consumption without knowing how good or bad the consumption was. Yeah. I like the clarity that you bring across there and really, honing it into where the problem really lies because you're indeed right. You know, everybody's, if you look at it the wrong way, it's, you, know, you, you applaud yourself and put your, tap yourself on the back for all the things that you've, all the output that you've created. But at the end, it's about what it really does with the people that actually consume it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also see the complexity and the size of the problem there. So yeah, that's an, these are interesting problems to solve. What is the opportunity if you get this right? I mean, what are the typical transformation stories that you get from customers before or after the, uh, the case? You know, we always have a trigger point at a client. 
And the trigger point can be unfavorable net promoter scores. Yeah. The trigger point can be a high degree of churn. The trigger point can be a low conversion rate on product trials. Or a classic one would be a lawsuit where oh. you're being sued because of inappropriate content. And all of a sudden becomes a big thing in, in an enterprise. It can be triggered by a very high degree of professional service interaction with in conjunction with customer inquiries. So customer would go to the website, website provides content, content doesn't provide clarity. So the client would then pick up the phone and call the enterprise to get help. Yeah. So these are all trigger points where enterprises would say, we need to improve on content operations and translate it into increased NPS, reduced churn, core deflection rates need to be improved, and, and, and. We need one of these trigger points because they are directly connected to customer sure. value. Something needs to change, exactly. What, yeah. what, is, what is triggering that big change? Yeah, and, and I can also see that there's, of course, in many cases, a combination of things. Yeah. Yeah. So developing the platform from an academic perspective, then starting to kind of spin it off, starting with a company, the name of SAP, and taking it then to the next stages. What did you do? Because I think this is a really the pioneering phase of when this all started. What has been fundamental in, in the decision-making in order to create a platform that still can create remarkable impact today? I think internally, if you look at NLP and AI, these are all great capabilities, but neither NLP or AI is a product or a platform. These are just capabilities that you can adopt True. and make use. So I think... What has taken Acrolinks to be very successful was to realize how complex content operations are at enterprises today. So we have become the people that not only understand the NLP side of the house or the AI side of the house, but also the ones that answer the question, so how do I get NLP to my 10,000 writers that I have, content editors? We came to realize that there's a lot of content being created by Microsoft Word or Google Text, but there's also other platforms like XML Editor. Yeah. There's a huge variety of different editors that are being used to create content. So mastering that degree of complexity became core to Acrolinks. The second is where everybody things and believes that, oh, my content is being stored in the content management system. The reality is that every enterprise has probably 50 to 100 different repositories, repositories that contain content. It's for sure the content management system, but it's also a file system like SharePoint or Google Drive. It can be GitHub yeah. as a content repository. And the third dimension of complexity is, oh, people think that content is a piece of HTML code and that's content. Yeah, that's one variety of content, but content is this plus a blog post plus 
a 50-page PDF documentation that talks about your product. It is user interface in your system, in your application. That is also content. Source code is content. Yeah. Enterprises are scared today about the fact that their source code might contain compromised language such as master-slave. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they look at source code, millions of lines of source code to be checked against inclusive language. Yeah. The billboard text is content. And so the variety yeah. of content formats, the variety of authoring systems, and the variety of repositories need to be mastered if you want to transport NLP and AI to the authoring, to the storage environment, and to the content formats that are available out there. And mastering that complexity has become one of the cornerstone of successes for us. Not assuming, oh, we have a platform, we do NLP, just sign up to the platform and, and stuff is done. It's not the case. Enterprises are enormously complex. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, specifically that starting point that is about the enterprise, not the everyday market, the SMEs and the mid-market. Yeah. Because they, they deal with completely different requirements. And I also now understand what role SAP has played in this, in this particular area. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, because that, that's where they master, you know, Yeah, that's what they mastered. That's what I mean. Well, so this has evolved then for a number of years. And then you mm -hmm. come in. You join the company in 2020. And you, of course, you take on something that, is, that has been there for a while. And so, so what was the first thing you started doing when joining the company in 2020? Because, I mean, this is about the future now. Yes. <laughs> so the first thing that I did before I joined is to get myself excited about the opportunity. I think I have developed, when I look at the, at the business model, at the technology, at existing customer relationships, and also at the software-as-a-service metric families, I got myself into this space that says, I'm absolutely convinced that we can take this to the next level. Because the use and the value case is so obvious And it's so existing and it's being shared by almost every enterprise that I know that the question is, what can I do from a contribution perspective to help scale from where we are today to where we should be? How fast and how effective can I help the company to scale? But first, I need to be convicted. Yeah. So I have very the good. conviction and the excitement. I'm very grateful about what the founders have done. They are scientists and they have taken this to that level. And I'm just the person that comes in and to help scale. And with my knowledge about enterprises, have lived and have done work in the US, have worked for large enterprises and have scaled companies. That's what I intend to do here. Yeah. So What do you now believe that is, what is holding you back or what is the biggest obstacle to create that growth that you aspire? I mean, where is a company, for example, where, where, is, where are you aiming at? Well, we have formulated a vision. <laughs> And that's, always, that's an, always an interesting exercise. One of the first things that I did is to create a vision for the company. They didn't have uh, a vision? Okay. Well, let's say we had, I think, a number of visions, but none of them were documented. It was not unified. So one of the exercises I did with the entire company is to create a vision. And the vision simply says is, we want a world to be connected by amazing content. 
And I do know that this, this is a controversial uh, mission statement, a vision statement, because all the enterprises tend to believe that they have amazing content. Now, we are the ones that can prove not quite the case. These are the areas where you can improve fast. So that vision statement, I think, is number one. And then number two, we have a so-called content governance system. And it is a fact that today, no enterprise would go out and to go buy a content governance system because it's not, it's not on the list of things that they must have. True. So it's a heavy push intent. So you go and push what we have And we normally find a space in an enterprise to begin with. So we start small in an enterprise. Yeah. But what we normally do is when we create value in an enterprise, we normally start to grow inside an enterprise very, very fast. But it's not something like 20 years ago where everybody was trying to buy an ERP system. It was on the top list for the CFO to get done. So you hire a massive amount of consultants You buy, I don't know, 25,000 licenses of this and this and that, and you go and build it. That's not going on in our business. We need to land small and expand fast. It's true land and expand uh, thing. And that's what we do. It's our average ticket size is probably around 100K. And we try to get this up as fast as we can, and we do it successfully. But what is holding us back is that the problem that I just described Number one, every enterprise has, we can prove it. There's no dedicated function or person in that enterprise that is assigned to help fix that problem. True. The problem sits in every function that creates content, and these functions have no connections. They normally operate independent from each other, creating massive amount of content without yeah. any alignment. So that's so true. It's so true. So I mean, like you, like you started in the beginning. Yeah, you're. It's about people, the best talent, but it's also about an integrated and aligned company. Not only your own company, but very much also dealing with the companies that that are your customers and how and where do you start? Yeah, and then I agree. I agree with you that it starts with understanding those pain triggers: the net promoter score, the churn, the, the low conversion, the lawsuit potentially, and start through those routes. Yeah, I think one of the things that has recently been introduced is this term inclusive language yeah. where you need to have at least gender neutral language published. This is the first time that we see enterprises looking at the entire stock of content that they have and say, we need to change something yeah. because we don't know where and to what degree we have quote unquote disrespectful language published. Yeah. But that's all of a sudden that's, That's a call that's normally coming from the CEO's office and it is being assigned to an internal function. And this is the first time where we have some push from the top to get things done. So I think this is one of the boosters that we have right now. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of examples of how this can completely explode in your face if yeah. it leaks the wrong way. I mean, last week I had actually, a finish, I'm currently working on that podcast right now, Maria. Colocurcio on my podcast, who is the CEO of a company called Sindio, and they are about creating a fair workplace and starting with pay. So that's the pay angle. Mm -hmm. And at the end, pay, fair pay is much more about the gender differences, but it's beyond that. Similar mm -hmm. type of story there. 
that there have been a couple of companies in the news in a very bad way. And they mm. step up, say, we're going to do something about it. We don't might not, might not have all the answers. We're going to find a lot more cases, but we're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what, what requires C-level involvement. Yeah. So that's good. That's, that's good to, to see that this is happening. And these are your customers yeah, that will, will embrace it in full because there is this, uh, this drive around it. It's not only about money and about like, the negative things, but it's also about pride. And I think that's also, there's an emotion in it. Yeah, it's pride, but it's also back to my initial example. I mean, if you realize that you have 6 billion or 5.4 billion minutes of content consumption, if there's anything compromised in your content, it will pop up just by the fact of the amount of consumption that exists out there. You cannot hide it. And it's just, I think it's a good example how visible content today is and how massively it's being consumed. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I really like the fact that you started on the redefining the vision. I'm not sure what it was, but this one is, is really a stretch goal that you could align your company around mm-hmm. and, and find a path in order to get there, independent whether the, the, uh, the solution for this is NLP, AI, or that type of technology. Yes. I mean, the how you get there can change over time, yeah. but the vision remains the same. Yes, And I think, I mean, that must drive a lot of energy in the company, right? It creates alignment. That's what it does. Exactly. It creates alignment because everything that we do, I mean, we have this vision statement that I just outlined, and then we have a mission statement. And the mission statement is simply put, we want to supercharge the enterprise content touch points. Yeah. This is what we do. And again, it's not mentioning NLP or AI. It is what we do, not how we do it. Yeah, true. But in terms of setting up a roadmap for the product organization, you take the vision statement and the mission statement and you would say, we have an ideal customer profile. This is large organizations with more than half a billion in revenue. They all have massive content. We want to help them to supercharge their content touch points. So what are your plans in the coming years to help improve on that? And how do you measure that? And that creates an aligned company. You can, you can put the same challenge in front of the sales organization or the marketing organization or the services organization. And that's, exactly. the, that's one of the strong pillars that we have to create an aligned organization. Let me make a small interruption here. Volker just made a critical remark about how he is creating a foundation within his company to be remarkable by leading with a strong vision. By having a mission, it's about the outcome. So expressing the why, not the how. And by challenging every single department around the key question, what they will do to help their ideal customer make a difference that's in line with the vision and the mission. And this is how they create an aligned organization. What he's mentioning are a number of traits that define remarkable software companies. They understand they cannot please everyone. They focus on the essence. And then they create products that are both valuable and desirable. Now you can master these traits as well. I have a number of options for you to start. Firstly, just go to valueinspiration.com to learn about the masterminds and the work streams to put the fundamental building blocks in place to fast track the growth of your software business. And as you're there anyway, don't forget to grab a free Kindle version of my book, The Remarkable Effect, to start sparking new inspirations in the next 30 minutes. Back to the interview. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. It's, it's taking away from, from the indeed from the how. 
if you define the how, that's that's the biggest mistake a lot of organizations make. Yeah. You get you get trapped. And that's I mean, before you understand that, that you're trapped, it's very very often too late. So I really like that. Another thing, and I'm currently working on, on writing my second book, and the book is themed Remarkable Resilience, which is about capturing the stories of technology companies, what they have learned about well, the big resilience lessons that they've learned around the last 20 months, the pandemic. And you came in in January 2020, like eight weeks before or nine weeks before. So A, how has redefining that vision helped there? And how have you become a stronger company as a whole out of this pandemic? Yeah, funny that you say that because that was my first statement when I came to realize that this world is being turned upside down 18 months ago. My statement to the company was, this is a global crisis. And there will be winners and losers in that global crisis. And I believe we have a fair chance to come out of this crisis being a stronger company. Without knowing what that means. But the first address to the organization was the reminder of, okay, it is a crisis. Every crisis is a mix between challenges and opportunities. Exactly. Let's be very, very cautious and careful about the challenges let's focus on the opportunity. And once we realize that we are entering a world where people are basically at home working, we knew immediately that the role of content has just been increased and elevated through the pandemic. So, and it has become true. I think our company metrics have improved, but that's just a result of the fact that today people even rely more on content consumption to make buying decisions. So that's number one. Number two, you still have a company that you need to get together and keep together without yeah. the ability to meet. And one of the things that new CEOs tend to do is that she or he would travel around to get to know everybody, clients and employees and partners and suppliers. And eight weeks into my job, I came to realize it is not going to happen. <laughs> And then I immediately realized I'm very grateful about the existence of the internet and all the associated services. I'm grateful about the fact that there's a very reliable video system out there that we can all enjoy, whether it's Teams or, I don't know, WebEx or Zoom, doesn't really matter. But how do I capitalize on the fact and how do I transform myself to be an effective CEO without the ability to physically meet people out there? (laughs) And so we reinvented ourselves. I today have I'm 18 months into having weekly CEO calls with the entire company. Today, I believe 18 months into this, I'm closer to the organization than I would what I would have been if I would have traveled around and meet people. True. And in fact, I think what we all learned is that business has become a lot more personal. I mean, if we get lucky or unlucky, you decide my 10-year-old son may pop into this call and may introduce himself, and he has done it various times in internal meetings. We have started to introduce formats like everybody introduces where she or he is from, like what is your hometown to the entire company? In fact, this last week, we have created the Akulinks People Spotify music playlist. Cool. 
which is if you look at the music playlist today, which is public, you can look at Spotify and look for the Aqualinks People playlist. I look at the playlist and say, yeah, that's us. It's a wide variety of things that people enjoy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so all these little pieces, I think, have helped us to stay connected, know and understand and learn a little bit about, about each other. We have onboarded, we've grown, I think, on the people side, 30% ever since the pandemic has started. Everybody has joined from his home or her home environment, needed to be onboarded. And that was a success. And now we are asking ourselves, how do we transition ourselves into a remote-friendly company? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who could have imagined that? Yeah, it brings also so many new things that you also want to keep. I mean, I recently was speaking to the CEO of a company in Barcelona in the CRM space, and he used to be always in Barcelona. He's now living in Menorca. And he said, if I'm hiring bird people right now, I have the world to choose from because yeah. they don't have to be in Barcelona anymore. Yeah. And that is such a gift to the company at the end. It is. But again, you have to, you need to have an agile organization that looks yeah. at it from an opportunity standpoint, not a restriction standpoint. Yeah. And if you're in a mental mind that you think, oh, all of this is just bad and I'm stuck here. I agree. We today hire software developers everywhere in the world. And we don't try to move them to Berlin anymore. We keep them where they are, where they yeah. love to be. Yeah, why should you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I mean, I completely agree with you. The world has become so much more reliant on being connected through amazing content. I mean, yeah. just that whole vision just comes alive through yeah. Yeah, what, just have, what just has happened. And even more, I mean, I've been blogging about this, this as well. I mean, If you, as a marketeer, for example, continue to spam people the way you've been doing before, and now you think you have to do even more because that's the only the way to reach people, it's the wrong way. It needs to be about good quality. It needs to be about yeah. being engaging. It needs to be about, yeah, amazing content. It is at resonating the end, with content. Yeah. 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 On average, every day we have about 7 billion searches. About half of it are Google searches. The other half are all the other search engines that, that exist. Seven billion searches every day. And every single search is a search for content. Yeah. And on average, people are, are doing, I don't know, between 50 and 150 different searches before they decide to transact. And if you have questionable content on that journey you will not be one, the one that the customer or the prospect will purchase from. True. It is so decisive today, and, but at the same time still very much underestimated that it's hard to believe. There's actually there's a great piece of research done by, by Accenture about five years ago where the head of digital content concluded that research with the statement, content has become the HTO of enterprises. That was four years before the pandemic has hit the world. Yeah. This is such a true statement to say, wow, yeah, that is, it's liquid. It's not only static on your website. Content is being shared on social channels. Yeah. It's being used to create voice bots and everything else. It is, in essence, one of the key factors that describes your success or your failure. True. Yeah. Very true. 
Yeah. And then we think that we don't realize the impact of it and why things are sometimes just just not doing and not converting and, and the negative yeah. results of it. But it all goes back to writing better content. And that's where technology can come in with beauty. So what have been the biggest learnings over the last two years for you? What is something that you, if you now look back and say, hey, this really stood out to me in terms of what worked? It is actually... I mean, outside the business dimension, you still have to create pipeline. You still have to close deals. You still have to create a product roadmap. You have to create a mission and a vision statement. But that's toolkit for me. What I really learned without any preparation was overnight, I had to teach myself and experiment how to keep a company together without the ability to physically being able to meet and greet. What is it that I need to do? And actually, it's, it's easier said than done if I say I have my weekly CEO calls because they need to be prepared. You need to have an agenda. You need to have content for these calls. You need to create a degree of excitement, some surprising effects. And doing that every week also requires time. But if I now look back at the 18 months, say, wow, I, I, kind of, I really know this company inside out, every person, because we have about... 70, 80% participation rate every week. And that's really? just great to see. And yeah. it's not a formal agenda. I mean, these calls are like, hey, how are things in Portland? How are things in San Francisco? What is going on in New York? Is that a different city right now? So we go from Portland to New York, Orlando, yeah. a little bit of London, Amsterdam, over to Berlin, my hometown, Hamburg. And people get a sense of, Okay, everybody has similar challenges. And keeping that together was my biggest learning experience that I had in the past 18 months. Yeah, true. Yeah, and creating that, going back to the start, that integrated and aligned feeling that, we're, yeah. that you're part of one and, and striving for the same thing and that together as a team, you can achieve it. Yeah. Because, I mean, people, of course, these are the stories I've heard as well. I mean, they have gone through insecure times, you know? And yeah. How do you deal with this? There's fear, uncertainty. There's a lot more caretaking about family and communities and friends. All of a sudden, the kids are at home. People have become part-time teachers at the same time, coping with the requirements of the job. The fear of health and the aspects of the pandemic, economic fears. I mean, this came to us like out of the blue. And we all had to cope, which creates, if you do it right, resilience. True. Yeah, if you do it right, well, that's at the end where the, where the art starts. From all the tidbits of wisdom that you've gained over your whole career, what does it do and what is it a possible don't that you would give to yeah, people that are in your role, CEO role, and that want to step up their business or actually that aspire to kind of get into such a role? Yeah, two things that I would highlight amongst many other things. I mean, there still needs to be knowledge and capabilities. I had the chance of my career to do things that I've never done before because I had people trusting me and had the confidence that I get things done without even knowing. And I think if I turn this into a principle, I would encourage everybody to go out of the comfort zone and try to do things that I've never done before. All these great social channels like LinkedIn and others, they can be traps because they keep you in your current capability zone. Yeah. 
somebody is looking for a customer success manager, they will find a tremendous amount of great customer success managers. But there's a finite amount of people in that group that can do more than just this, and you will not find them. It requires a person to step outside the comfort zone and try to do things that they have never done before because that's the biggest opportunity for growth. True. And in fact, that was even supported by a great mentor that I once had at HP, where she said, my manager once asked me to lead a research team, R&D. And I said, I have no knowledge about what R&D is, so why would I manage it? And then this mentor would say, that is exactly the reason why I want you to manage it. So look for these opportunities because it will build cornerstones of your profile. And the second thing that you, if you can and have the ability is try to leave your country, your home country. Try to step outside your comfort zone of the knowledge of your home country. Try to live abroad at least for a number of, I don't know, quarters or years if you can, because it opens up your perspective in a complete new dimension. I can totally agree with that one. Yeah. So these are the two things that I'm grateful for having the having had the opportunity, and uh, that's my strongest advice to somebody who wants to who wants to climb the ladders. These two things. The first thing is a lot harder, by the way, than the second thing. I think the second thing is an example of it. It is an example. It's yeah. a variety of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I completely agree with that. And when I was still at Unit Four, I always thought that I was on top of the world, and I was uh, yeah, kind of doing the things and stretching myself. Then I started my own business and I was like, okay, <laughs> that was nothing. So yes. yeah, I completely agree. You're at your best when you have your back against the wall and you yeah, have to start doing things yeah, in new ways without the help, without the support network, etc. Yeah. I mean, kind of connecting this even further, not at the people level, but at a business level. I wrote my book, The Remarkable Effects, which is about the traits that a company should create or should own or embrace to create products that people keep talking about, that they just start talking about, but then also keep talking about. What mm -hmm. do you believe are traits that companies need to have for customers to get the, yeah, to be the word of mouth for you? If you stick to the principle to create value for an enterprise, you will also be able to create value for people inside the enterprise. Yeah that will become your strongest sales ally that you have. That's number one. And number two, yeah. internally, if you establish a vision and a mission for the company, you need to be able to educate and develop every employee to be able to tell a 30-second story about what is Aqualinks and what is it that we do. Because if you don't know what the company is doing in general, you're not going to talk about it because you don't know. And the more you create a picture for yourself by these pieces and tidbits of information, the more you will be able to tell grandma or grandpa or Uncle Sam, you, you name it, who are so, son, why are you working for this company called Aqualinks? And if then a 30-second passionate speech comes out yeah 
this becomes a second element of word of mouth is you need to have an affiliation created with your with your company, the products and the services. And actually, this is nothing that comes out of the blue. This is something that's an environment the company has to create for its employees. True. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So I'm sitting here smiling and nobody's got to see it on an audio podcast. Because <laughs> 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 that is so true. So what are you most proud of? What, what is a story that you keep telling about something that amazed you from what a customer achieved with your solution? Oh, that's hard to say. I think every time, I think that's a good summary. Every time when I listen to a customer story, may it come from internally or may it come from externally, if somebody can really express, this is when the platform came in and this is what happened internally. Give you an example. There's one company in the US that uses us since a number of years. And this person reported to me, we are sending out 120 million emails every year to our client base. And despite all the effort of sending out the emails prior to using Aqualinks, our retention rate has dropped or our churn has gone up. Once we have started to use Aqualinks to assess the content before it goes out, our retention rates have gone up, our churn rates have come down. And when I listen to that, I say, wow, this is something, I don't even need a piece of paper to write it down because it engraves into my soul yeah, immediately. And I'm collecting all these different stories of value creation because we always need to answer the why is somebody using the platform, not how is somebody using the platform. I keep coming back to the why. And whenever I hear this, I think I'm sharing it in the next CEO weekly call to the entire audience of employees. This is what I learned last week. We should be proud about. True. My most important yeah. hashtag internally on, on a Slack channel is hashtag be proud. Yeah, well, that's what it's all about. And you get those why stories. Yeah. They give, they give you goosebumps. Yes. And these are the stories that no matter where you are in the company, everybody can, can tell to their peers and friends. And it has, doesn't have to be a technical story. Yeah. No, not at all. Love it. I mean, I would, that would also, yeah, I mean, that's, what you, that's why you get up in the morning. So thank you very much for this. If there's anything or anyone in the audience that could help you or, or your team, what would the question be that you would ask the audience in this case? Uh, let me come back to the one statement that I learned from this great Accenture research piece is if we all agree that content has become the HTO for enterprises, we should definitely elevate the role internally for content. A company that has, let's say, a million pages on their website and every web page creation cost is about $1,200. The amount of money that went into the creation of content over time is $1.2 It is time that enterprises take central control and governance around the creation the dissemination and the publishing of content holistically. And every, everybody who listens to that and said, yeah, I buy into this, should be the advocate internal to, to help make that happen. It's a, it's a very complex supply chain for content, yeah. but it's very, very decentralized and disorganized today. Wise words to close this call with. Thank you very much. It's definitely, that I think, something that 
a lot of people that are actually responsible for this will, will, will help reflect and, and take action on that. I learned a lot. I will thank you for your openness and for the, the, the wise lessons that you shared. I think this was uh, super inspiring. Thank you. Don, thank you very much for the opportunity to be part of the podcast. Thank you very much. And this ends my conversation with Volker. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning in to this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Volker Smith, CEO of Acrolinks. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.